as Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. Now we've been talking about uh, doing the stuff and looking at what Jesus did and said and, and modeling um, our lives and our days and our hours and moments uh, after that. And what we're talking about today is something that I'm calling uh, big time because it's big time scary. It's big time vulnerable. It's Big time out of your comfort zone. It's big time risky. It's big time trust. Um, Caroline, my wife, has has recently been um, really challenging me in the area of of bold prayer. Of, of approaching God with, with boldness and approaching God with, with trust and belief. And I think I began to realize, and I, and I don't know if, if you're like me in this, maybe I'm alone, that I lowball my prayers all the time. I typically pray for things that are pretty safe And I've spent some time over the, the last few days trying to figure out why, okay? And George uh, told me on Tuesday that I was preaching this week. And, um, and I opened up the text and here's, here's these two guys, these two blind guys. And it says that they're following Jesus around. Now, I'm not really sure how they were doing that because um, they were blind, <laughs> <laughs> but but they were following Jesus around somehow. And finally, uh, they just called out to him. Apparently someone told him the direction he was standing. And, and they just called out to him. God, you know, Jesus, son of David. Now we know that that, that son of David reference is a, is a reference to the promised lineage of the Messiah. Okay, they said that the Messiah, the, the one that would come to rescue uh, the nation of Israel, would come out of the line of David, King David from, from, from way back. First and second Samuel, King David. Okay? And they were making a pretty big statement by calling him the son of David. They were actually calling out one of his titles. Son of David was one of the titles that he would give. And that was something that would have communicated, we believe that you are the Messiah. We believe that you are the one that comes 
from the line of David. Now, we're going to, believe it or not, uh, you're probably going to chuckle, we're going to go through this fairly quickly this morning because I want to give you some time at the end to do something a little bit different. And so, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push through these. We've got two big ideas this morning. You can, you can fill them out on your, on your blanks uh, there. The first big idea is that God-sized prayer is asking for a God-sized answer to a God-sized dream. God-sized prayer is, a, is asking for a God-sized answer to a God-sized dream. Now, that's not normally how we pray, at least for me. Normally, I'm asking for a Walt-sized answer to a Walt-sized dream. And that doesn't really require much God-sized anything, all right? Two things I want you to notice about these blind men. The first thing, the blind men did not base their faith in Jesus on actually seeing him do something. We've established the fact that they're blind. Therefore, they did not see Jesus do a single thing. But yet, from what they had heard of Jesus, through others' experiences and what he had done for them, they were willing to call out to the son of David to be healed. They'd never seen him do anything. The next thing, if we wait for Jesus to work, then the necessity of asking is eliminated. Now let's think about that for a second. If we go, I I would ask God to do this, but... I'm going to wait and see what he does first. Well, that's sort of illogical when you think about it. Because it's like, once he's done it, you don't need to ask him to do it anymore, right? Because he's sort of done it already. If the blind guys had waited until they weren't blind anymore, well, I'm just going to wait until I can see it first, right? Well, then they they would have already had what they needed accomplished and there would have been no need to ask. The fact that we're not seeing it happen is what requires the asking, right? Well, let's look at the next couple of verses and then we're going to unpack this and then you're going to do something. You ain't going to just listen. You don't get off easy this morning. You don't get just to listen to me. Some of you say, that's hard work. <laughs> Verse 32, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. Was brought, brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. And the crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Because that makes a lot of sense. So he's saying, they're saying, well, he must be using the devil to drive out the devil. That's kind of like one of those, um, like if you ever get into an argument with somebody and you, you finally, it finally gets down to like, um, I know you are, but what am I? Like that's kind of like what that is. I know you are, but what am I? He's using the devil to drive out the devil. 
Like, really? That's the best they could come up with? Um, so they, they, you know, they were really struggling with, with what Jesus was up to. The second big idea is more of a question. Whose God-sized problem do you need to carry to Jesus? Now, I'm going to show you kind of uh, what, what I'm talking about when I, when I talk about this, okay? And I'm going to sort of pull the curtain back and, and let's all take a peek inside here. Um, so, Caroline and I uh, needed, had some financial needs this week that, uh, that we needed to take care of. And, um, and I was down to one guitar, okay? Uh, I, I sold another, another guitar to a friend back in, in December and just kind of trimmed down to one guitar. Well, we needed, we needed the money and we needed it right away. And so I ended up selling my guitar. And so that leaves me the main worship leader at this church without a guitar, right? Which seems kind of absurd. But Eric was nice enough. He's going to let me borrow his guitar until we can get another one. So I found out that a friend of mine who I had gotten a guitar for was willing to sell a guitar to me for like 75 bucks, okay? So by the end of that day, I had another guitar. Well, during that day, as I was going to sell this guitar... And I was sort of in a state of shock that I was actually going to sell my guitar, <laughs> but I did it anyway. Um, I'm driving down the road, and I've been practicing this big praying thing, right? And I'm going, okay, um, so this, this is not really the result of the big praying that I was looking for. Um, so God, can you do something amazing <laughs> uh, before I get to the pawn shop? All right, like I'm, I'm getting closer, God. I, God, I see the sign. I'm pulling in the driveway, God. Okay, God, I got to sign the piece of paper. Okay, God, they're taking my guitar. Okay, God. God, he just gave me the money. And I'm going, okay, it's gone. But God, I'm trusting you. It, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what it's going to look like, but you're going to, you're going to take care of this. And, I, and I'm asking you to take care of this, okay? Well, by the end of that day, I had the guitar from my friend. But during, right around that time, I got on Craigslist and kind of started looking to see what was out there. And there was a guitar that, that I thought, you know, that might be about, about the price I could handle. It's like a pretty decent guitar. So I contacted the guy. Well, I didn't hear anything back. And by the evening, I had bought that guitar from my friend. And, um, and so I didn't think anything about it. Well, Friday morning, this guy contacts me back. And he says, uh, you know, I do still have this guitar. You know, sorry I hadn't got back with you. Um, and I said, he said, you know, what, what exactly are you looking for? You know, and this and that. Typical, you know, Craigslist banter. And, um, and so I said, well, uh, I'm, I actually had to sell a couple of my guitars. I said, and I'm, I'm a worship leader at a church. And I, I need it. I use it every week. And, I, and I'm trying to, to replace it. I said, I did get one yet the other day. And, you know, I said, but, uh, you know, eventually I'd like to have a couple. But I, you know, I don't know if I can really afford the price you're asking. Blah, blah, blah. You know, typical negotiating jargon for Craigslist. And he, he, he writes me back and says, Where, what church are you a worship leader at? And I said, well, Renovation Church in Little River. 
And so I didn't hear anything for a, a little while. And then he texted me back and said, um, he said, uh, I looked up your website. And, um, and if you can, uh, he said, I'm, I'm a pastor. And if you can be at my church tonight at 7 o'clock, uh, we're having a Valentine's dinner, uh, I'll just give you the guitar. You can just have it. And I started the week with one guitar, right? I, I sold one a couple months ago, okay? Well, now there's a guitar sitting up there in the sound room, and there's a guitar sitting out in the warehouse, and they both belong to me, <laughs> right? And I got two guitars for $75, which is ridiculous, right? Completely ridiculous. Now, that's a little thing. That's something we can chuckle about. I know that there are bigger issues. We can say a word like cancer, and that's something that, that resonates with folks in a deep, painful, heavy kind of way, a lot bigger than a, a piece of wood with some strings on it, right? But if, if he cares about that stuff, if he cares about a guitar, don't you think he cares about everything that we are going through? Don't you think he cares about every detail of our lives, every dream that we have, every problem that we run into, every impossible circumstance? So I guess the question I've asked myself, and Caroline had actually gotten a fight about this early on um, when, when, she was, uh, when she was sharing this with me. And I'll just let you know, she's reading a book called The Circle Maker by a guy named Mark Batterson. And, um, and that was kind of what got this whole thing stirring up. Um, and she kept, you know, well, we're, we're not praying the right way for this. And we're not, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to pray like that, okay? And so we got into this long sort of, you know, debate about it. And like she always does, uh, she's just smarter than me. And um, it's not a fair fight. And I, and I end up losing. Um, but but I, I've asked myself the question this week, why do I hesitate to pray like this? What, what, what's the hesitation? What's, what's the pushback? And so I, I kind of listed a few things. But, but before we go into that, maybe we feel a little bit like, like this fellow uh, on, this, on this video right here. Maybe we can relate. I think a lot of times we don't pray like that because we feel... Like it's hopeless. The, the, just, just like he felt. It, it, you're right. It's impossible. It's hopeless. I'm crazy to even think about it. And what I want uh, to, to propose this morning is, is kind of like the quote, one of the quotes that you read at the beginning. If it's not impossible, then it's not a God-sized dream. If it's not impossible then it's not a God-sized problem. Now, here's the things I kind of came up with for me. And, and maybe, you know, it's one of those things. This is me, and so I don't know if it lands with anybody. Hopefully it does. Why I hesitate to pray this way. First of all, I'm afraid to be let down. I'm afraid to be let down. Because if it's a dream, and I pray about it, and I put it out there, then it means that it has the possibility of failing. But as long as I just don't let myself dream it, and as long as I don't put it in the hands of God as a, as a dream, as a vision that I'm asking him to accomplish in my life, then there's no chance of it failing, right? So you just go, well, I'll just stay away from that. 
because there's, I don't, I don't want to fail. Here's the, the, a scripture that I think applies. This is one that kind of hit me as I was preparing. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. Now, now let, me, let me help you understand that. There's, there's some churches that like to focus on the second half of that verse and just go, hey, if it's in your heart, God's going to give it to you like a genie. You ever seen Aladdin? You know, where you're getting your three wishes. You know, like it's, it's, that's the kind of thing that, that we, we sometimes get hung up with is that we go, well, so, so what you're saying, Walt, is that um, I should just dream about it and ask God to, to, to cause my, my dreams to come into to reality. He's going to do it. Well, no, look at the verse. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Here's the thing. When, when we're coming to him with our dreams and we say, God, this is something that's burning inside of me and I can't accomplish this. It's impossible. You have got to do it. I'm asking you to do it. I am, I am asking you to give this dream to me. When we, when we do that, we've got to be open to the fact that as we delight ourselves in him and we put our dreams in his hands, sometimes what does he do? Like a potter with clay, he begins to mold those things. And we go, oh, wow, you know, that's the dream I, I, I had. Look, look at this. Look at how he's reshaped this dream for me. It's even better. My, the dream I had was, was not even exactly as awesome and amazing and fulfilling as the one that, that God molded that dream into. The idea is that as we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart because as we delight in him, he begins to transform our heart and reshape our heart and reshape our desires. Now, sometimes there's a dream and you have no doubt it's a dream God put in your heart and he's waiting on you to go, God, give me that dream. And he's gonna, it's gonna be boom because you've delighted yourself in him from the very beginning. But sometimes that dream needs molding, right? And he's going to do that. The second reason I hesitate to pray this way is because I don't want to be selfish. That's actually what Caroline and I thought about. Um, I said, Caroline, I can't pray like this because it's selfish. You know, I'm going to pray, God, I really want to take my family to Disney World and I don't have any money. Well, that's, that's so selfish, that's so self-centered. That's so all about us and me and me, me, me and give me, give me, give me. But here's the thing that she said, and, and, and again, uh, she's smarter than I am. Um, but she said, you know, Walt, do, do you want to give gifts to our children? And, and if Alex or Emma comes up to you and, and says, Daddy, can you... I'll say, let's use the Disney World thing. Daddy, can you take us to Disney World? Am I going to look at Alex or Emma and say, you vile, selfish little jerk? How dare you ask me to go to Disney World? You're so selfish. No, of course I'm not. You know, that would be ridiculous. I'm going to say, well, I'm going to say no, but, <laughs> but, but at the same time, I'm not, I'm not going to reprimand her for asking. I'm going to say, you know what, baby? I'd love to go to Disney World. Maybe we can save some money up and we can go to Disney World in a couple of years and, and we can all go together. It'd be so much fun. I'd love to go. I'd love to go. We can't go right now, but I, but I would love to go to Disney World. Now, if she threw herself on the floor and started kicking and screaming and throwing stuff and yelling and, and going on and on about 
why can't we go to Disney World? Like, then it goes into a little bit of, okay, she's completely selfish. She's completely um, throwing a tantrum and she's completely out of control. But just for asking, I'm not going to reprimand her. And you know what? Sometimes when Alex or Emma come to me and ask for something, guess what? I give it to them. And if they hadn't have asked me, I wouldn't have known they wanted it. And I wouldn't have given it to them. Now, the difference with God is he knows our hearts, right? But there's something he's built in. And I don't know why, but there's something he's built in connected to asking. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to ask. The scripture uh, that we had up a second ago, Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? He loves you. Another reason I hesitate to pray this way, if I pray about this, it means it is real. Now let's think about, go from dreams now and switch over to problems. If I pray about this problem, it means I have to admit that it's a problem. Long as I don't pray about it, long as I don't talk to God about it, long as I don't ask him to do something about this problem, I don't have to admit it's a problem. And, I, and I'll be uh, another example from my life this week. Um, some of you know about my mother's health and she, she had some issues back uh, the, the end of the year. And this Thursday, she had to be taken back to the hospital. And um, every day in the hospital, and I haven't really said anything to anybody, but every day in the hospital, um, she's gotten worse. And uh, the last two nights, she has, uh, has literally um, jumped out of bed in tears, gripping her chest um, in, in pain. She's got heart, heart issues. And so they've transferred her to a cardiac hospital in Greenville and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, the point of that is I found myself having a hard time praying about it. I had a hard time talking to God about doing something in my mom's situation and I couldn't figure out why. And it hit me. The reason is because I didn't want to admit it was happening. It was like if I prayed about it, that means I had to say it. More than just giving out. It's, it's interesting. I have no problem sitting here telling you guys about what's going on. But going to God and really talking to him about it has been a real struggle for me. Because it's like, I re- like when, I, when I talk to God about it, that means... It's really concerning me. It's really on my heart. It's really something that I need him to intervene in. And I don't like the fact that I would need God to intervene in my mom's health. I want her to just be healthy. Right? So I think that's another reason we don't pray this way. And then the, the other reason I could think of is I prayed about something and nothing happened. I prayed about it, nothing happened. There was no result, okay? Now, now here's what kind of hit me as I was driving yesterday. In every other area of life, 
I'm willing to put in time. I'm willing to invest money. I'm willing to be patient and wait for results. Why am I not willing to do that with prayer? Think about that. We go for 12 years of something the majority of us do not enjoy called school. No offense, teachers. My wife's a teacher, so I can say that. And we wait and work 12 years to get a piece of paper that said we did it. Right? And then many of us go for four more years investing thousands of dollars, time, energy, effort, to get another piece of paper that said we did a little bit more. And then an even smaller group of us go beyond that. We date how, who knows how many people we go out on dates on to try to find the one that we're looking for, right? But yet we pray for something one time and nothing happens and we go, that didn't work. Right? I mean, I, I never thought about that until yesterday and I thought, that's ridiculous. You know, sometimes we've got to stay at it. We've got to, what the Bible calls, persevere in prayer. We've got to continue. God, oh, God, I need you to do this. God, you've got, I'm trusting you. You've got to do this. This has got to get accomplished. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. I know you love me. Change my desires if that's what it takes. I'm, I'm coming to you and asking you. Have you ever prayed for anything as long as you were in school? 12, 13, 20 years? Most of us haven't. And I think sometimes we just don't put in the same effort and time into it. Because we expect them to just, boom, make it happen. Next steps for us, and this is where you're going to do a little work. Uh, Whatever you pray for reflects what you believe about God. That's just a quote that was on the screen earlier. And I think that's huge for us as we consider the next steps. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend some time right now thinking about your answer to these questions. What is impossible in your life that you need God to do? What is impossible in your relationships that you need God to do? What is impossible in your career and finances that you need God to do? What is impossible in our church that we need God to do? What is impossible in our community that we need God to do? Think through those questions. Men and women. Because I know that these exercises, I'm just going to admit it, guys. I'm going to step on you for a second. These exercises, all the women do them. And the men go, I'm talking about it. I'm fine. I don't need nobody. I'm good. Right? Men, do it. Come on now. You ain't, you ain't Superman. You need somebody too, just like I do. So I want all of us to do this. And I, and I, want, I want you to write down. You, you should have gotten a little, a little blank card, okay, when you came in. And if you didn't, we can give you one if you'll just raise your hand. Did everybody get a blank card? Okay. And I want you, and I'm going to do it too. I'm going to do it too. I want the band to do it. I want the leadership to do it. I want everybody to do it. I'm going to do it. I want you to write down one God-sized solution or dream that you're going to begin today asking God to accomplish. 
Okay? And, and I know this is an exercise that people that write a lot, this is an easy exercise. If you're not a writer, just write one word. Just write one word that articulates. I don't want you to write your name. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to write the one thing, the one God-sized problem, the one God-sized dream that is, seems impossible. And you're going to begin asking him to accomplish it today. You're going to begin asking him today. And here's what I want you to do as we come forward um, for communion and, and, and ministry time. There's thumbtacks on either side of these blue panels over here. And you're going to take what you wrote down. And that's why I don't want you to put your name because I don't, I, don't, I don't need to know your name. And I want you to thumbtack it onto that panel. Okay? And I, my, my, my plan, I'm not exactly sure we don't necessarily keep these panels up every week. My plan is somehow to figure out a way to have it where these things can begin to come off the wall. So that you can go, he did that. He did that one. He accomplished that one. And here's the thing. Some will come off quickly. Some of these will be here. Some of these will be up when we find a new building. When there's a new pastor and however many years there's a new pastor and you don't even know half the people here. and Some of those will be up there a long, long time. But we're going to put them up and we're going to just see what God is going to do. Now, the reason that we can approach him this way is something that we represent at this table every week. The reason that we can come to him with such boldness, the reason we can approach the God of the universe with any kind of request is because of what Jesus did that's represented at this table. You see, when Jesus, when he poured out his blood for our sins, he was giving us access to the Father. He was giving us access to go and to, to approach the throne of God. And as he was breaking the bread, as he was with his friends and he was breaking the bread, he said, my body is going to be broken for you and he was giving us the access the ability to go boldly to God with the deepest most vulnerable things in our hearts and just like the blind men just like the blind men we don't see it but do we believe it I know I'm asking you to be vulnerable this morning will our servers come and there's also going to be ministry folks as there, as there are every week. And I want you to consider allowing one of them to pray with you about this God-sized circumstance. So after you go, oh, there's already some up there. Awesome. After you go and thumbtack them onto the panel, there's going to be folks that are there to minister and to pray. And they will be on either side over in the, the corners. Go to them and, and just like the demon-possessed man who was mute, help them bring, allow them to help you bring the circumstance to God. We've got baskets for your gifts and your connect cards. We use wine here, but if you'd like juice, they can provide that. Would you, would you now come?